Lord, we are grateful to have Matt McInnes in our midst, Lord. We are grateful for the passion, the energy, and just the, the drive to give good messages, Lord. We just thank you that we can listen to another incredible sermon today, Lord God. Bless his heart, bless his life, and let's have a good time. Thanks, mate. Cheers, Steve. Ooh. Young person, that is, um, for someone on the wrong side of 40, that, is a, that fills my heart to hear that. It's all relative, I suppose. But, apologies, I've just misplaced mine, as you do. Right, so today, we are going to look at the parable of the sower. Now, it's interesting, when you kind of go through these things, you you think you know what you know, and you think, oh, I know this, I've read this. But it's interesting, as I kind of developed, as I kind of read through it, it's amazing what you actually come to. So as we delve into this, it's going to be a bit different. It's going to be, um, I'm going to share some stories about my life and apply it to this, because I think... For me, my style is I like to share my journey, and then I like to apply it to this. And I'm also an oversharer, so I share a lot, and Anna loves it because she learns new things about me sometimes. Now, today we're really lucky because my family aren't here, so I can really overshare. <laughs> so you guys are in for a treat. So um, what we'll do is we'll start. Um, I'm going to actually just read the passage. It's, um, it's one, uh, Matthew 13, for those who don't know, uh, 1, 2... 23. So I'll quickly just read it just because I'm not a fan of putting big words on the board and having everyone read. So that same day, Jesus went out to the house and sat by a lake, or the lake. Such a, cra- uh, such a large crowd gathered around him that he went to a boat and sat in it while the people stood there on the shore. He told them, there were, he told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he scattered the seed, some fell on a path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on a rocky place. And when, he, oh, when it did, uh, did not have much soil, it sprang up quickly. But this, uh, apologies, reading's not my thing. But the soil was shallow. Then the sun came up and the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no roots. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on soil that was... Pre- and where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came and asked him, Why do you speak to people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Those who have been given more, oh, those who have been given more, and those who have an abundance, whoever does not have, even what they do have will be taken from them. This is why I speak in parables. Though they see, they do not. Uh, though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In the fulfillment of prophecy, in the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah, you will be ever hearing and not understanding. You will be ever seeing but not perceiving. For though, for the people's hearts have become calloused, they hardly hear with their ears, and they, they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because you see, and your ears hear because, oh, because your ears hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and religious people long to see what you see, but did not, and hear what you hear, but did not. Apologies on the reading, um, but as we go through, they're going to come up again, so you can fact check my um, interpretations. So um, today we're going to cover three main points. Point one. Um, there are different types of soil in our lives. And God wants to plant, and 
God wants to plant seeds in our soil. Uh, Point two, (laughs) we may not have the best soil in our lives. And point three, I'm going to change colour. (laughs) We can do uh, what we can do about it. We can change it. So if you've got a rocky path, you don't have to stay that way. If you've got great soil, it may also not stay that way. So um, we're going to just journey through that now. But first, I just want to recap because I'm always a fan of when... When Bible say things like before or something, you know, if they premise what happened before, it's normally important. Now, now this day was a Sabbath that Jesus was talking about. Now, just to recap slowly, so effectively it was a Sabbath, and the first thing that happened was the, the um, disciples and Jesus were walking through a cornfield, and they were picking some corn and eating it. And the Pharisees went and said, hey, what are you doing? And Jesus kind of smacked them down and said, no, no, what are you talking about? This doesn't work. This is eating. And then, um, then, then he healed some people. He healed a guy and said, look, what's more, what's more, healing someone or eating? And then, bang, he healed someone. And then he smacked down some Pharisees, again, for complaining about healing someone. It's really, Jesus' life is quite interesting, if you ask me. Then, um, then they threatened, they planned to kill him, so he runs away. And we get to the point, then they ask for signs and miracles. So this is, this is just a day of Jesus. This isn't like one of the magic days. This is just, oh yeah, a Saturday, a Sunday for Jesus. He's walking through, doing stuff. This is what our life should be. Our life should be healing people. Our life should be prophesying. Our life should be eating food. And our life should be speaking to truth that aren't real. You know, that is the goal we serve. And as we go into this, we're going to see that there's a way to get there. And if we're not doing that, then maybe we need to look at the soil in our lives a bit more. Now, um, <clears throat> well, um, yep, so the parable itself, um, I believe that the, the Bible says this applies to new people. You know, what the seed is, is the word of God, the, the message of the kingdom of heaven into people's hearts. But I also believe that this can be applied to all of us because the truth is, that God plants in our lives every day. You know, does anyone not agree with that statement? That God is planting things that need to grow. And as such, we as Christians need to also be thinking, what is our soil like? Now, our soil isn't one big farm, not one big plot, it's a farm. There are plots here and plots there and plots there. And this plot may be the most fertile you know, soil, it's had fertilizer put on it, it's got great irrigation, it's growing crops, but you may have this rocky path over here, that's a classic Canterbury Plains with rocks that just keep coming up, and doesn't matter how many times you rip them out, they just keep coming up because it's a riverbed. You know, this is our lives, our lives aren't perfect, our lives are, some areas good, some areas not so good. So as we go through this, I want you to not so much focus on your great parts, but let's, if I'm talking about things, let's focus on the things that aren't great because it's easy to focus on what we're good at and we need to be today focusing on what we're not good at because then we can work on that and we can get breakthrough. So um, <clears throat> answer the story to kind of tie it together. For me, um, I too was called to a, a mission field of sorts and I too was called to a, a mission field about four kilometers up for me roughly, but unlike you guys, I, I have a propensity to enjoy flushing toilets and like really white food, like, you know, like when I go for Indians, I get New Zealand mild, you know, Robert knows what I'm talking about, 
Sometimes if I'm really feeling spicy, I'll go, I'll go Indian mild, thanks. But mainly, I'm a man who likes, like, I, I, yeah, I'm a man who likes what I like, and I'm very mild. But, you know, the Lord called me into something, and that something for me was skydiving. You know, so I would go four kilometers up, but I was always about a minute away from a toilet, give or take, depending on when you pulled your shoes. And I, I loved it. Now, the Lord planted a seed in my heart about that. Like, when I was 30, when I was a young man, I, um, I had a midlife crisis. Now, some of you people on this side are probably thinking, oh, midlife crisis at 30. But at the time, it felt right, you know. It felt like 60, oh, yeah. But, you know, for me, so I thought, I don't want to... I don't want to, you know, I thought, I want to do this. It's my bucket list, but I don't want to do this when I'm, like, old, that I can do it once and just tick it off a list. I want to do it, do it. So I looked into it, and there are classes that you can actually learn to jump out of planes. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I have my cam, and he's like, oh, that sounds awesome. I'm going to do it too. And we watched videos of base jumping and wingsuit, and we're like, it was awesome. We're like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be amazing. So the more... The more I got onto it, the more I got excited. I'm like, I am going to do this. And so on my 30th birthday, um, a bunch of my mates got together and brought me the first, there's a whole bunch of steps. They brought me the first package, which was ground school and a jump. And that was in January. And then I kind of, I waited on it a bit. And then work got busy. And then life got busy. And then came turned to winter. And no one wants to jump out of a plane in winter. It's cold. And then we got to the point where... Um, I finally actually turned up in December or November for my ground school. But in that time, Cam had kind of, he'd withered, he'd, he kind of lost the, um, he'd lost that, that drive. And so he decided, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. I just, I'll, just, I'll just check in, cash in what I've got, and I'll just do a skydive. And so he just did a skydive, a tandem. He loved it, had a great time, but it wasn't quite the same. You know, it wasn't quite, he didn't get the experience of, being out by himself, you know, just fl- feels like flying, falling gracefully, you know, in the air. He didn't get that. Now, the problem was that the seed, he didn't grasp it. And so um, we go and if we look at it, now as, um, yeah, so now we're going to the path. Because the problem is Cam's seed fell on the path. You know, he was a man who, he was king. He was desperate, but as time came on, Things came, you know. Other things came and, and took it away. Other things, for the record, that's not me. That's far too graceful. I feel like this when I grab the ear and it's, yeah. But, you know, he, he, things took away from what he had. And it's like, what in our life have we got that the Lord has placed in our life, that the Lord has said, hey, this is you. This is what you're going to do. And you get excited and you think, I'm going to do this. Like maybe it's missionary. Maybe it's preaching. Maybe it's running a ministry, whatever it is that gets you excited, you think, yes, this is me, this is my time. And then what happens? We prolong and we progress. And all of a sudden, after procrastinating, we get to the point where it just gets taken away. And it's like, oh, that was great, but oh, no, too long has gone, or it's not the right time, or whatever. And we give all these excuses, and it means that we don't get to live on the, we don't get that seed that we planted in our life because it's taken away. Now, I'm going to kind of go Christian and yet to be Christian on these two things because this verse is about, this passage is about non-Christians, so I'm going to touch on what that looks like, but also I'm going to say, hey, look, we're Christians. This is how we apply it. So for non-Christians, 
what does that path look like? You know, some of them just, just aren't ready, and that's, that's life. But sometimes we're the problem. You know, that's the scary thing. Sometimes they've come to church before, and church is the problem. Now, that's a, that's a sad thing, but the reality is that sometimes us trying to be Christians can put off people coming to know Jesus. And that's something that we need to reflect on. And I think as we, as we go through this, we're going to see that um, actually there's work we can do. So, um, but also, um, that doesn't mean that it's the end of it, but um, I'd have made it work. And um, I talked about Jesus sometimes, him and I, before he knows I'm a Christian and his family wasn't. He is anti it, and I mean anti it. And I, we, we are, we're playful to a point, but um, there's some hurt there, you know, and that hurt is real. And it means for me to try and plant a seed, we need to, we need to move through that. We need to kind of do some work, and it's hard when you, it's hard for non-Christians to get that work done, but the reality is it's like the seed can't be planted because the wounding from the church. So we need to be mindful of what we do as Christians. You know, we need to be mindful of how we act, what we say, because what we say may not just affect us, but may affect how other people come to know Jesus, which is not, you know, it's scary when you think we should just be called to preach the word, not actively stop people from hearing it. So it's like, we need to be mindful of what we are and who we do. Now, for Christians, there's lots of things that can be this, but I have found the major thing that causes this is when you are wounded. And it's normally through unforgiveness, bitterness, and feeling let down. And that's the same as actually my mate from work. You know, he, was, he had these same things. The only difference is you still know Jesus, but you've got all this bitterness in your life. And so anything that's planted, it doesn't matter because you're just not there. You're closed off. You're hard like a path. And so if that's you today, I have good news. At the end of this, we're going we're gonna to pray for you because bitterness is such a, such a toxic thing in a church that we need to get rid of it. And as I was, as I was preparing this message, you know, like, I kept circling around this. I tried to move, and it would come back, and, I'd go, and it would come back because it is just so critical to us as a church that if anyone has bitterness, today you can be set free. You know, and that is the thing. And I know because I've had bitterness, and I'll share some of that later, but it's like taking poison and hoping the other person gets sick. That's really the relative of being bitter. And so whilst that is a humorous antidote, the truth is that that is literally what it is. So um, what does Jesus say about the path? He says, Anyone who hears the message of the kingdom but does not understand it, the evil one will come and snatch it away. This is the seed that is sown on the path. So then we'll go on to the next one, the rocky place. Some fell in a rocky place where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But then the sun came up, the plants were scorched and withered because it had no roots. Now, um, as I, 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 I do skydiving, well, I did. I painfully stopped at 97 jumps. They, COVID came and then it all kind of stopped and then it moved away. So I'm... Um, I'm comfortable that I've never hit that magical 100 number, which I'm, I'm kind of happy about because at your 100th jump, they call it the undie hundy. You have to wear your undies and jump out of a plane. And <laughs> Part of me was like, yeah. Part of me was like, it's really cold up there. So, <laughs> so um, but 
when I did my, um, when I did my ground school, it was great. We, we sat down, and this person talked to you for like eight hours in a classroom. Most of it's about what's going to go wrong. So I was like, that's always great. And then how to make it not go less wrong. A lot of it's about landing in water, and you're like, I'm in the mountains, there is no water. But <laughs> So you're learning all these things, and you're like, righty, I got this. And then you go home that night, and you study, 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 and it's like, righty, I know this. And now for me, the weather kind of played a part. You've got to go within four weeks, so you don't forget everything. And so I was three and a half weeks, so I forgot most things. So, but it was all good because, you know, like, you're going out with instructors, you know. You're going out with... These people, I've got my own parachute, so I'm in charge of my own destiny to a point. But you've got guys with you, so I arrive, we get on a plane, the weather's starting to close in. So like, come on, you're on this load, we're going. So you, you walk to the plane, they're checking everything. You have no idea what they're checking or why at this point. You just trust that they're going to make sure you don't die as much as possible and you're going to look after the rest. So here I was, getting checked, they're looking at everything. I don't even know what they're looking at. And they're like, turning around, yep, sweet as, you got altitude, yep, is it say zero? Oh, I don't know. Um, and then you're on a plane. And so we're going out the plane, and they're like, oh, what do you do at this feet? I'm like, oh, I, uh, I pull? No. <laughs> so, oh. so there's different things. So you have a hard deck. That's the point in which you decide what you do. Like this is the point where if you're not flying properly, you cut away and you get your reserve, and hopefully that works, or you've got about 10 seconds to meet Jesus. So it's, it's, it's kind of, yeah, that's, that's more true than I'd like to think about. So you're at that point, and they say, oh, this height, oh, this height, pull, this I do this, and there's all these targets and so we get to the top and we're like yep and then they open the doors and you're with all these other people on this big plane and then they're all jumping out having a great time and it's my turn and so I'm like okay it's my turn so what I do is you come to the door and you kind of you stand and you you hold on to the thing and you're kind of half out half not kind of want to step like yeah and then there's a guy hanging outside behind you and he's he's loving life he's normally the younger of the two um, instructors and so you've got to check out, and like, yeah, you're good. And he's like, yeah, boy. And you're like, oh, no, you're far too excited about this. <laughs> and then you get the inside guy. He's the more experienced guy. He's like, yeah. He gives a nod, as like, yeah, with this all happening. And then you go, one, two, then you're out. And then all of a sudden, you are it. You're just, well, you've got two guys holding you, trying to. And you feel like, oh, I'm just perfect. You feel like you've got this perfect arch, perfect everything. Really, you're like this, and they're trying to hold you, and you're, you're flailing around, and you're grabbing it here. It's, it's not graceful. But then, after what feels like two seconds, they're like, oh, it's time to pull. And then you pull your chute. And at that point, the two people, they kind of backtrack, and they wave, and then you're gone. And that second, you realize, I have forgotten everything <laughs> I was ever told about parachuting. And everything I Googled was not about what to do in these situations. They're about how to do a backflip off a bridge before pulling gloriously. And so I'm in this situation where I've forgotten everything. And I'm just like, oh, God, please open. Don't have a line to us. Don't have whatever else it could have. I don't want to cut away my first one. This is horrible. And I had a few twists, but I kicked them out because you actually pull so high. It's like, you know, you're about one and a half kilometers up. So you're, you've got plenty of time because they put that factor in for noobs like me who have no idea. But I had to go through that. You know, I had to go through that journey and then you get to that point and you've forgotten everything. And I think that is so, so similar to um, the path, you know, that doesn't have any soil. Because, you know, for me, <laughs> I was in shallow ground. I'd done one very small course on what to do and I thought I knew it all. You know, and you Christians sometimes, we think we know it all. 
and all of a sudden something comes on and you're like, I don't know anything. I've read like three scriptures. I'm trying to quote one and now you're asking me a question on it. You know what I mean? It's like that is just the reality of being new at anything. But, you know, being new Christians sometimes is, is so hard because our seed isn't planted and pressure does come. And so it's so important, you know, that if you're new, that you bet into church. We bet into the teaching, not, not me, obviously, but, you know, the, the senior pastors and the elders and the, the preachers that come up here, you know, we're here to impart into your life so that you can break down that soil and go from having shallow roots to having deep roots. Think of me as a glorified watering can trying to get those roots deeper so that, you know, when tough times come, you won't wither, you know, because I think we'll all put our hands up and say sometimes it's hard. Sometimes the sun comes out and it's not a glorious beam of refreshing. It's a burning ray of just like oppression. And so as that comes, know that, you know, we need to dig deeper. We need to put our roots deeper. Now, um, what does it look like for non-Christians, you know, because, you know, non-Christians, they hear it and they're also semi-Christians at this point. But once again, it's very similar. They don't really understand the nuances of being Christian. And it may be that they don't understand why a, a scripture is a word this way. Like, I struggle with some of these scriptures, and I'll share that a bit. But, you know, they may be like, oh, actually, this doesn't quite make sense. And it doesn't for a new Christian, because you need to understand the how, the why, the where. There's so much nuance to reading the Bible that if you read it word for word as it's written, it seems very conflicting. It seems very different and you seem like you've got a God and an Old Testament who's very different to a God in the New Testament, but he's not. And as you understand that, as you break that down, as you get to that point of meeting the real God and of meeting him why things are like they are, you're actually like, oh actually this makes sense. But at the start, it doesn't. And so this is why we need to go to that journey of changing our fields, of burying our roots deep, of breaking down so that when we plant seeds, we're planting in knowledge which is better ground. So um, what does Jesus say on this? Because he's always the one I go to. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once and receives it with joy. But since they have no roots, they last only a short time. When troubles and persecutions come, because of the world, they quickly fall away. Okay, so now we've got among the thorns. Now, um, this is a... Obviously, I've got, a, I've got many stories of jumping out of planes. Far too many to share. <laughs> I broke two bones in my wrist once, but I want to share that one. That's depressing. Um, but this one is like, you know, the thorns. Other seeds fell among the thorns where they grew up and were choked by the plant and choked the plants. So I had a, um, went one day, turned up the drop zone, and the instructor's like, right, Matt, it's time you downsize. Now, this is a big thing in the skydiving world, you know. You start off driving these buses of a parachute that just sit there. On a, on a Norway's day, you didn't even go down. You went up. It was just... <laughs> yeah, I'm not even joking on that. Like, one time it took me, like, 20 minutes of spiralling to get down because you'd stop spiralling and just float back up again. It was depressing. But I was like, oh, I can actually downside. Now, what you do to downsize is you, you fly, you, you, you pull a lot higher and you kind of you take your time and you just learn everything. You try and collapse it, try and break it because if you're high enough up and you get into trouble, cut away... Pull your reserve, job's good. And so I was flying this. I've gone from a bus to probably a minivan, probably a three-cylinder diesel one-liter minivan. It wasn't, wasn't great by any stretch, but it was better 
And so what we did was, we said, right, you're going to jump out, and you're going to pull at four kilometres up, which was actually the most, one of the most amazing things I've ever done. You know, you're at the height of Mount Cook, and you're under a canopy just flying, and it was, I was loving it, and I was flying around, I was trying to do stuff. Remember, this thing's a buster, it's like you can't really break it, but I was learning how it worked, how turns worked, it was great. What I didn't notice was that, like, literally four kilometres, or probably three at this point, there were clouds that were drifting over the drop zone. And so everyone else was fine, because they were down in five minutes, but I was up here floating around, just living life, and all of a sudden, there were clouds coming underneath me. Now, it wasn't, didn't really register until I got a bit lower and started to think, right, yeah, let's go land. I looked down, I'm like, huh, I couldn't see anything. Like, I literally, I could see the foot of the mountains at Mount Hart and then nothing. And I'm like, I've got to land somewhere. I roughly know, I could see a few trees, like, kind of, and other things that, it gave me enough of a reference, but I know roughly where I am, but... I was not even close, like, I had no idea, I couldn't be like, okay, I turn here, I do this, I do this. I'd only done like 10, 15 jumps, so I wasn't by any means a professional, I just, but I had to get down, like, I was getting down because gravity was taking me that way, it was just where and how. And so I remember like, I remember praying on this one actually, because I thought, okay, I know roughly where I am, I think I know where I am, I'm just going to do my pattern, it's all going to be good. And so I thought, okay, I know roughly, I can see some landmarks, I can see a road in the distance, and I kind of triangulated, I'm going to be here. So I, I did my pattern, you do a wee landing pattern, and as I finally came below the clouds, I'm like, don't hit a tree, don't hit a tree. And I was like, good news is, I was nowhere near trees. I was nowhere near the drop zone, I was very near cows. <laughs> so I managed to... Thankfully, just clear a six-foot deer fence before I <laughs> swooped into a field of cows, narrowly missing one, and rolling on the ground next to a log. So it was a, a glorious experience, but <laughs> that wasn't how I broke anything, ironically. But, but the reality is, it's like, this is, this is what it's like to have thorns. You know, we, we know what we're doing, and we're all great till we're not. You know, thorns... They, they grow, they seem to grow slowly, but when our lives, when they appear, they seem to just be there, don't they? You know, when you have those things in your life that just are there, they're just there, which there are probably signs, and if we're watching, you probably see them growing, you could probably cut them down, but by the time they become significant in our lives, we haven't noticed them, and then they are, they're really pulling us down. Now, someone who, um, you know, if you're a new Christian then that can be hard, you know, and the Bible talks about, in this context, about wealth, and I think if you didn't hear it, then you should go back and listen to Pastor Paul's sermon, it was on the 18th of June, and about wealth, and it was, it was transformative, you know, he really broke down what it is, what money is, how money is, and how the church isn't just out to get your money, but some people feel that way, and so we need to understand that you know, when you're new to the faith, you can feel like things are just, oh, they just want my money, or oh, they just want my time, they just want me to volunteer for everything. But that is not what, we, that's not what we're after. We're after you. you know? We're after you as a person. If you're new to this church, we, we, we'd love to have you here. You know? we lo- I love seeing new people. I'm on the band, and I sit back here, and I just love looking out seeing new people because it means we're growing. You know, it means that we're attraction is that you're meeting Jesus in a different way. You know, you may come from somewhere else, but you're welcome here, and I hope that you find a family here. 
I hope you find a home here like I have when I came because that's what we are after as a church. And, um, yeah, I think looking back to the last time I preached about... Um, I kind of went about... Um, destiny? No. Oh, I can't remember. But I preached about like my, the, the soil uh, planting a seed of preaching. Now, I desperately wanted to do it. I thought I'd be good at it. I might be, I might not. But the reality is, the Lord put something on my heart, and instead of letting that grow, it just, it just sat there. Oh, but what about? Oh, but what about the, I'm too young, or I don't know the Bible well enough, or I don't know this, and I don't know that. And instead of dealing with those issues, instead of saying, oh, well, I am too young, but there's lots of young preachers, or I don't know the Bible enough, but I can learn. I let the things around me just really pull me down. I let the weeds just suffocate me. Now, there is a silver lining in this, that when we read what Jesus says, the seeds falling among the thorns refer to someone who hears the word, but the worries of life and deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Now, whilst it's not ideal, if you're in that situation, you're unfruitful it's not dead. So that means that if you're holding something and it's not growing, you can do some gardening. You know, we're not at a place here where it's like, it's not withering up and dying and we need to replant it. We're at a place where it's just not happening. And so if you're in a place, church, where you have something in your life that you know the Lord has placed in your life and it's not happening, this is where you are. You're in a place where the ground is good enough to grow it, but the weeds around it are pulling it down. And so what we need to do is we need to start working on those weeds. You know, we need to start getting to the place where we can rip them out and we can start to grow. Because as we grow as a church, we change. Like If we're all living in the truth that God has placed in our life, that is a transformational church. That is a church that sees growth. And I believe that is a church that would see revival. Because God would live in that place 24-7 because he dwells among his people. And when we're moving in him, he'll give us more. Because that is the God we serve. So I just want to hold on to that church. That we, There is so much more that we can give when we truly understand what God has placed in our lives. And I'm talking about myself more than anyone else here when I say that. God can do more in me than I believe. So um, now we're going to the good soil. This is where, this is where things happen. This is where... You know, this probably the one you have to focus on the least, but also you should celebrate the most because this is where things are planted and things are happening. Now, for me, tying off the skydiving story, this is where, you know, you've got it. You know, this is where I've gone from, like, this guy holding onto the side of a plane, praying that this like, thing like a fly of a tent attached to a backpack loping up to a guy who's like, oh, yeah, stuff it, should be right, launching out. I remember I took... Um, Sam Clark one day, he, he was doing a tandem and I just tagged along and it's a great story. I remember, <laughs> I remember because I was kind of on the plane, I was about to, he, was like, he would be sitting right there and I'm about to launch out and I, see Sam, and I just literally from inside the plane, just a glorious horizontal dive out the plane. He's just like, <laughs> as he's saying, I've got to go next and it was just, yeah, because I've made it. And for him, I was probably like, oh my gosh, this guy's like a superhero. Well, I, like, I like to think that, don't, don't disabuse me of that thought, people. But you know what I mean? It's like, for him, he was strapped to a guy and being like, oh, well, I hope this guy knows what he's doing. But I was in the place where I'm jumping up by myself, I'm doing barrel rolls, I'm doing sweet tracks, I'm doing backflips, I'm doing what I want. 
it feels like you're flying until about 3,000 feet when the ground gets very big, very quick. Until then, you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And it's like, oh, time to pull my shoes. So, but the reality is, this is where we actually grow. This is where the things that God has planted are seeing fruit. This is where we see the 160 and 30 times fruit. I think you should go the other way, but that's the way the scriptures say. I think it should be 30, 60, or 100 because the reality is we get more. And this is where we're multiplying. And if you're not seeing growth in the things you are doing, if you're not seeing growth in the areas that God has called you into, then you need to do some gardening. Now, there's good news here. We're going to um, point two. I've already had two points. I tried to be a three-point speaker, but two seemed right for this one. So this is the why that Jesus speaks in parables. Now, this, this really threw me because the Jesus I know, and this, this talks to understanding the Bible and how we can get confused and how we can get robbed of truth because the Jesus I know is a Jesus who, who goes after the lost, who, who loves the, the downtrodden, who seeks for people to know him. Why would he speak in a parable that people don't understand when he could speak in a truth where they would? And that, that's hard because it's like, well, how does that work? You know? And it's like, but then he, um, then he talks to his disciples. And they ask, and they're like, hey, why do you do this? You know, why is it that when you speak to these people, you speak in almost riddles? And he says, their hearts are callous. And they choose not to see, and they choose not to understand. And it's like, that, that's hard. But then I think, well, these people were Jews. These people understood the scriptures. These people understood. They, they read it. They knew it. These were godly people. They were called after God, but yet... Over time, their hearts had got, had got callous. You know, their hearts had shrunk. Their hearts had, had become shut off from God, you know. Their hearts had come to the point where they felt they didn't, they didn't want to change. And so as the scriptures report, like, they chose not to see and they chose not to hear because if they saw and if they heard, they would have to make a change in their lives. And you know what? Sometimes we don't want to make change in our lives. Sometimes the lives we've got are good. They're not godly, but we think they're good, and they're good enough, and so we kind of put it off. And I, I am the most guilty of this out of anyone. I have areas in my life that I still struggle to open up to God. I still see but don't see. I still hear and don't hear. And you can preach a message, and I'm like, yep, that's for everyone else. I'm, it's not my time yet, you know, and I've had numerous ones. One of the big ones for me was on tithing. I was a generous guy, and I had, the Lord blessed me with money, and yet for some reason I would give to someone, but the giving to God, every time that was preached, I'm like, oh, that's someone else. And one day it just broke. For me, I think it was actually after I was married, which is a depressingly frank insight, but... The reality is when, when Nikki challenged me on it, and it's like I had nothing because it wasn't built on a truth. It was built on me choosing not to see the truth. And so once I saw that, it was like, oh, of course I do. And now we do, and it's just the freedom has just been amazing. But other areas of my life, you know, for me, I remember 
I used to be, um, I used to be a bit of a lad back in the day. Now, I was, um, I came to faith around 16, but I was very much a cross between the path, blue rich yellow soil, and a fraction of thorny soil. I think that was a bit where my faith actually did survive. But most of my life, I was, I was damaged through multiple you know, childhood traumas. But the thing that got me was I used to be like, oh, let's go to town on a Saturday night. You know, when I was 18, yeah, let's get onto it. And I would. And then I would come to church the next day and think, this is, this is not a problem. You know, I'd be in the band and I'd turn up and I'd be a bit seedy from the night before. And this is not okay. But in my mind... I had got to the point where I had made this okay. I had justified it. And so any word that says, no, I'm like, oh, no, but you don't understand. Because of this, this, and this, this is okay. Now, I couldn't point to Scripture because, of course, you can't. But in my mind, I had transformed things. I would moved things. And so if you have things in your life that are like that, if you have places where you've modified, and you know, in your heart of hearts, you know. Trust me that you know but you're like, I, I'm not ready to do this. If you've got that, today is a day of breakthrough. Today is a day where we're going to open up the front later and we're going to break through that because, once again, if we want to be a church that transforms, if we want to be a church that grows, we need to break through. Now, as I did that, I, I had mates who I was trying to, to bring to Christianity. And in my mind, I was like, oh, but it's okay because I'm making Christianity cool. Um, like they'll see that I can still go and have some drinks and then I can you know, go to church and we can do both. And it's like the arrogance of me to think Jesus needs me to make Christianity cool. You know, that is the, the place I'd got to. The lies I'd spun myself to think, hey, this is where we are. But that, you know, looking at it from the outside, looking back, you're like, that's stupidity. And I, I hope you're all seeing that and being like, you're an idiot. And if you're not, I was. And <laughs> So, because that's just the truth, that when you're in those places where you're justifying what you're doing, you're not growing. That's just the truth. And if you want to grow, we need to get away from that. We need to break through that. Now, there's an easy way to do that, and um, the disciples knew it. And there's a hint there. It's discipleship. You know, as a church, we need to be disciples. You know, the Bible says go out and make disciples, but we also need to be disciples. You know, and discipleship, I was chatting to Paul about this yesterday, actually. Discipleship isn't mentoring. It's discipling. Mentoring is someone coming along someone else and helping them to become more like them. Discipleship is coming alongside someone and helping them become more like Jesus. Now, if I'm mentoring you, you're in trouble. If I'm discipling you, you're in less trouble, but maybe, maybe see some other people. You know what I mean? It's like, so we need people to disciple. If you're older... We need people to actually look to disciple younger people. And if you're younger, you need to be looking to be discipled by other people because that's how we grow. The reason I can stand up here today with any form of ground that is beyond a path is because I had people in my life who imparted into me. I had godly men who walked beside me and imparted their lives and their story and their faith into me. Now, that was mentoring, but there was mentoring to get to know Jesus more. And so if we're in this church, you should be, A, looking to disciple someone, and you should be looking to be discipled. Now, discipleship takes many forms. When you're sitting in the congregation and we're preaching to you and we're sharing the stories with you, that is discipleship. That is speaking into your life 
and saying, hey, this is how you be more like Jesus. Now, if you're in a small group, that is a great place for discipleship because you're in a group where you have a leader, you have other people around you who want to impart into your life. The reason that every single leader runs a connect group is that they can impart into your life. They can impart wisdom and they can impart godly thoughts into your life. So if you're not in a connect group, get into a connect group. There are flyers out the front. Yep, there are flyers out the front. If you're new and you're looking for one, come talk to me and I will help you get into one because this is where the church grows. You know, on Sunday morning, I can inspire you. We can, we can play songs, but the reality is, is when you're in your groups and you're discussing the small things that you get breakthrough because I've missed so much that if you went away and talked about, you would get. I remember... Interestingly, we used to be in a group in the young adults um, in my old church, and we used to break into two groups. And we'd go away and we'd discuss, and we'd come back and we'd share. And it was amazing how the same scriptures in the same way would turn out so differently. Some of them, oh, I got this. And we're like, how did you get that? And then you'd break down, and that's where, my learn- that's where most of my Bible knowledge comes from, is other people sharing their knowledge and us kind of working through to work out what is the truth that the Bible is saying. And so I think for me, if you're in a connect group, if you're not in a connect group, you need to be in a connect group. And if you're not being mentored, you need to be mentored. And if you are in a place where you can mentor, you need to be looking for younger people to mentor. Now, this is a, a stage, not an age thing either. You know, I look at someone like Seb, who's much younger than me, but I would get mentored from him in a heartbeat because he is so far along the journey because he's just worked and worked and worked but yeah, if it was an age thing, I'd be like, oh, see, come, come beside me, I'll mentor you. And that would not be a... That's just not how this goes. So it's like, or well, Caleb or Anna, there are so many people who, who I look up to who are younger than me because I've done the work that I didn't. You know, and I've earned that right to be where they are. And so don't, don't think age, don't think, oh, you're old, you can be my mentor. I'm 40, for some people I am old. And yet I may not be the best option. Um, I'll get the um, band back up as we... Um, Come to land this thing. Now, um, I did talk before about unforgiveness. Now, this is massive. And I know it. I have lived unforgiveness. I've lived years for unforgiveness. It burns into your soul. It robs you of everything because of what someone else has done. And when you hear that, the stupidity of it, what someone else has done is robbing you. It's not robbing them. It's robbing you. And so what we're going to do is today, we're going to break that down. Today, there will be breakthrough for that because the God wants breakthrough. And I know because I've journeyed this. I've been in that place of bitterness and I've been in that place of letting go. And let me tell you, it is amazing. You know, as I was, as I was pondering and practicing yesterday, I went for a walk to the mall. And as I was walking back down the railway track, like it was a cloudy day and then all of a sudden this ray of sunshine just hit my face. And the Lord says, this is what it's like. You know, I just stood there and I just... Drank it in. And for some people, you may not have felt that for, for years. But today could be a day where you could break that down and you can just stand in the forgiveness and the freedom of just knowing that you've let that go and you can feel that sun on your face again. And for some people, that is important. And so I will be down the front and I will personally pray for you on that because that is a journey I've been on and that is a journey I will go, on you, go on, along with you because that is how that kills churches. And we're a church that grows. So today, that is a thing we will break down. Now, secondly, like, if, you're, um, if you needed to be discipled, 
or you want to be a disciple, come down the front as well. We'll pray for opportunities. We'll pray that you can sense what it is God's calling you into because there are right people for right people. God does that. God works perfectly. You know, right now, if you're thinking, actually, I want to be mentored, I guarantee you there's someone who's thinking, oh, I need to mentor someone. You know, it just works. And so come to the front and we'll pray with you and we'll just work through that as well because at the end of the day, we want to we wanna grow, you know. We want to see people be more like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus, you know. I think there's no one here that doesn't want to be more like Jesus. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, also please come to the front because we have a team that would love to share Jesus to you, would love to share this Jesus I'm talking about who transforms lives, who breaks down things that aren't um, right, who breaks down soil and becomes you know, to make things better. And so, yeah, the last thing I want to kind of just finish off is, you know, that God may be the farmer, but we as a congregation are the farmhands. You know, we're the ones who break down the soil. We're the ones that turn the path and the rocky places and the thorny places. We turn that into good soil through work. The Lord prompts us, but we pray. You know, we heal, we prophesy. They are what break these things down. It's not through what we do personally, but it's what God does through us. So know that if you've got anything in your life that isn't right, that isn't of God, that you know isn't of God, the front is open to you. And I pray that you would use it because we just want to see you guys set free today. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Matt. Would you like to stand? And we got to sing. But now you're standing, it's an opportunity to move. Move forward if you like prayer. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine in the soil I now surrender you are breaking new ground sing that again <laughs> 